Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to From Local to Global, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast series produced by Koshy's Business Builders, where we chat with business innovators across the ecosystem to uncover the secrets behind their success. From Local to Global is proudly supported by World First. World First, the smart way for business to collect, convert and make payments globally. Importers save on international payments with money transfers up to eight times cheaper than the banks. Exporters open local currency accounts around the world quickly and for free. Hi gang, Koshi here. Today I'm talking with Don Robertson, co-founder of Stacks, a global activewear, yes, I'd call it a sensation. Uh, renowned for its figure-flattering, fashion-forward design, Stax's love for its comfort and feel, Don and his co-founder Matilda have passionately built up the brand over the past five years, and Don's here today to give us a rundown on the brand's success and how he took this great Aussie product to the world. Don Robertson, thank you for joining us. It is an unbelievable story, business story. Do you pinch yourself looking Every back? Every single day. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. I really, really feel grateful to be here today. So what was the inspiration for your activewear brand and, and why did you decide to go with, if you like, the luxe uh, model of it? Yeah, I think I've, I've always been uh, inspired by fashion. Um, I love creativity. I used to work a bit in the music scene back in the day. Um, and fashion was just a way for us to sort of breach out and, and put our mark on the world. Um, we've, we found that the world was missing luxurious fitness fashion. You know, people were going to the gym wearing old tacky clothes and we thought we needed to introduce something special and unique for these guys and girls, predominantly yes. girls. Um, so we thought we'd introduce a range of product that would be affordable um, and just look good. Like, that was our vibe. And, and also you tapped in to that active wear revolution, whereas a couple of years ago, you'd wear your active wear to the gym. Now, you just keep it on all day. It's a way of life. It is a way of life. And as you say, sort of the, the sweaty old sort of uh, tatty gym wear, you needed something to be comfortable on as you took it out in Australia. Well, people were, were going to the shops to buy work attire and the, they spend the best money they can on finding cool clothes to wear to work. Yep. Now everyone's spending it on activewear. It's because you can wear activewear to work. It's, yep. uh, it's, a, it's the craziest thing. Why, why is that, do you think? Comfort. I mean, I think, I think the world is changing. I think the corporate environment is changing. You know, through COVID, I guess most people are now working from home even. Um, people want to work in comfort. People want to look good when they're working, uh, but also working out. So that's sort of, it's, it's weird how it also worked out for us. We couldn't see that coming. Um, we just decided to create a cool range of product um, with, our, with our stamp and our vibe, and it just sort of worked for us. So. Right place, right time. It's, it's one of those things, yeah, a right place over five or six years worth of planning. So Over that five or six years, because that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Behind every 
instant success is quite a few years of challenges. What were the biggest challenges for you? The, the biggest one for us is, look, Stax started off as a supplement brand. I, I worked in a gym, actually, and then I started a little sports shop in the gym where we sold, um, you know, fitness supplements, and then I really, really brought in the apparel side of things, and a whole neighborhood in Canningville in Perth was wearing Stax at the time. Um, but then through a series of unfortunate events, the gym shut down. Um, I was I had no real good contract with the uh, rent at the time, so we got shut down overnight, and we pretty much went down 80k in a sp in literally a split second. We arrived the next day at the gym. the The gym went into liquidation, and um, it was just a recovery from there. So I decided to just stop that, turn a new leaf, built a website the next day, and we took this thing online and we invested everything we had into apparel and just grew from there. Right. How did you cope with that personally as an entrepreneur? Okay, your, if you like, your main business gets shut down overnight. You'd had this side hustle that was related to it. But to say, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot and focus on the side hustle, that takes a lot of guts. I never lost focus of what my end objective was. My end objective was to build a global brand. Um, but there were days when it was hard to get out of bed even. You know, I remember some mornings forcing myself to wake up and just get on with it. Um, I picked up about, I think it was three to four jobs. I was working 12 to 16 hours a day doing different jobs. Literally one of them was working at a server. Um, you know, the shift would start at 4 a.m. in the morning. I'd finish there at 9. I'd go to my second job at 10 till 6. Um, in between that, I was driving around dropping off hoodies back in the day to just keep the dream alive. Um, it was just sheer determination. Um, I think I was more afraid of giving up and letting some people or, or the idea of failure have succession. Right. Um, so I sort of just pushed myself to get, get on with it, really. Did you have mentors? Who did you? Where did you get your inspiration from? I grew what up in South Africa. I think, I think, you know, in an unfortunate country for most people, you're taught to work hard. You're, you're taught to thrive, you're taught to make sure you're putting in the effort you need to put in to get somewhere. Um, I think that's just the sort of inspiration that was drilled into me from a cultural perspective. So mm. just really hard work and determination will get you there, I think. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating how your environment moulds you? Um, I, I get to interview lots of different people and if I can't figure them out, I always go back to asking about their family, where they grew up, the environment. And, and you're always a reflection of that, aren't it's you? It's your reference. It's what, yeah. it's what you come from. And, you know, people can go in two directions. People can become a victim of their circumstances yeah. or people can become successful through it. It's, it's what you perceive it as. Um, but your culture will always define you in one or two ways, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also that mindset to think global right from the start. You were saying a bit earlier you always had the dream of a, of a global brand. Um that's a big step. step. When you start a business, you know, it is let's survive the month, let's build a presence in this, uh, in this local community, let's do city, state and build from there. You were fixated global right from the very start. Why? I did an internship at Nike when I left school. And oh, wow. I have a, what I have good a, training that is. <laughs> I know, right? I had, I had a vision. I still vividly have a vision of the head office in South Africa and seeing these people, these cool representatives of the brand, you know, doing their sales meetings, 
having said that they shoved me in the stock room to like fix <laughs> fix the stock room and stuff but I did the best I can and I was just inspired by the operation and then I was inspired by what Nike represented in the world you know yeah. it's not just about economics it's not just about the revenue it drives it's, it's about the the value the brand adds to the world in its its different spaces and that's sort of what's been programmed in my mind but we want to do it on our own spin you know we want to do it in our own way um, we don't want to copy Nike ever um, so I think beginning with the end inside is key. Uh, I think it's a, it's a principle in a very famous book I've read before called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yep. Um, it's one of the principles, begin with the end inside. Yep. For those people who are interested on a, on a great book about business, Shoe Dog. Oh, uh, goodness, Phil Knight. Um, is a must read for anyone in business. For any entrepreneur, for anyone that has yep. a dream that wants to achieve something. Oh. That I, I was in tears at the end of that book because... Oh. You just read it with, and you get goosebumps. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, Phil Knight was a, for those who don't know, the founder of Nike. Yeah. And the thing I came out of it with, because I've had my own family business for, for 20 years, is reading that entire book and the cash flow problems yeah. he had during the entire life of that business until he floated it for billions of dollars on the share market. And I thought, God, if Nike had cash flow problems all along, I'm I'm not the failure that I think I am because perspective, I, right? Oh, yeah, I I was that's that's probably one of the key factors I took from it because most people that start businesses, entrepreneurs think that it's easy. Cash flow is the hardest, in my opinion, the hardest yeah. part to get right in a business because you never have enough money. No, no you never no, have no. enough money. No matter how supposedly successful you are, it's just a nightmare, and you don't want to tell people about no. it because they they think you're going broke. <laughs> um, what are the challenges? Of del delivering a product to a, an international market, though, understanding the the culture. Um, you know, we we had a very very uh, clear plan that we wanted to have presence in Australia first before we start investing and looking at the international market. Um, and there's a lot of little issues in the back end when it comes to trademarking and stuff like that. But you need to understand the market. You need to understand what those buyers want because it's it, it different cultures at the end of the day. If you're you're not just selling a product, you're selling a brand. So. We're blessed in Australia because we've got a great community here that enforce the brand, that love the brand, that are inspired by the brand, that wear the brand. They'll keep supporting the brand, they'll keep buying the brand, but the international markets don't have that yet. So yeah. we've got to get into the grassroots and find the right people to advocate the product, advocate the brand. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. It really is a challenge. And, and because we have such a multicultural market here, you can get insights, can't you, in terms of cultural issues of countries overseas because we have such big communities well, here. Well, truly, you just have to learn and listen. Like we take a lot of feedback on board. Oh. We we talk to a lot of it. We have very good personal relationship with a lot of our buyers, even our shoppers. Yeah. We chat through social media. They can connect through uh, to Matilda or myself on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. We entertain people quite often. You know, they entertain us. So it's, it's, it's a big learning experience. And in some countries, it's, it's just not going to work. It just might not work. So um, I think one has to be very clear and have a clear definitive plan when entering an international market. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of money, I think. Yep. And do you use Austrade and some of the government facilities to help out as well? We do. Um, the resources are there. Learning, the learning is there. Um, it's just one step at a time for us. Yep, absolutely. Um, also, a key, I find, talking with successful entrepreneurs who have gone through... Um, really solid growth is the business processes behind that growth. Um, coping with growth, I think, is such a challenge for most businesses. 
just when you think you've got one thing figured out, you know, a, a hundred other things are thrown at you. Yeah. Growing, growing is challenging. You know, people look at stacks and they might think, wow, it's successful, it's doing good. But growing is, is probably harder than starting up because you have to have your key processes. You have to find the right people to implement in the right processes. Um, expansion is challenging because if you get something wrong, now there's a lot of money on the line. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not just affecting yourself and your partner, you know, the startup or the founders. There's a whole team. So if you make one bad mistake, it, affect, it could affect the livelihoods of a lot of people. So the processes are quite challenging because yeah. there's a lot of moving parts now. You're not just depending on yourself. Um, you have to have the right people and the right places. You know, there's logistics. Uh, there's managing foreign exchange. There is uh, getting representatives overseas you can trust. It's, it's a massive list to go through it. Do you, do you have a blueprint now that you've been able to formulate? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there ever is. I think it's, it's ever evolving. The world is changing. Um, you know, retail and e-commerce is, is ever evolving. Uh, we have our key things in place. You know, learning how to trade with foreign uh, money is important. Otherwise, you could lose a lot of money in, you know, the exchange rate. So working with people like World First, for example, is clever because you can secure good rates. You can save a lot of money on trading. Um, having logistic partners is key that work with you, not against you. Um, making sure you can deliver your product is key. Um, but my gosh, there's a lot of challenges along the way. You have to sort of be flexible and dynamic and pivot you have to work things out yeah. along the way but you have all that when economies are normal <laughs> now you layer over the top of it covid a pandemic that just hasn't hit one country it's hit the globe how have you coped with that how's it affected the business look the first the, when australia shut down and we thought we were all going to go into lockdown 100 percent um you know we thought we we're going to lose it all to be honest it, it was it was my it was scary the the fascinating thing is when manufacturing you're buying in two three months in advance so what actually happened was at the height of covid in australia china had really been dealing with it for about two months so we had invested pretty much we emptied our bank accounts in buying product to make sure that we could sustain whatever was going to happen if the factories weren't going to be able to produce we made sure that we could buy we got in really quick to buy as much product as we can to sustain the manufacturing process. Then what happened was we had, you know, two or three containers on route to us full of product. Um, literally all of our money on these containers. And then uh, we got news that, you know, Australia was going to shut down. So we were just like, well, firstly, how the hell are we going to get our product into the country? What's going to happen to the product? Because we weren't sure if, you know, as Post was going to operate for us. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to trade. Um, so it was, it was an absolute nightmare at the time, but we couldn't foresee the spike in e-commerce. You know, I don't think anyone anticipated that the, at the height of the lockdowns, e-commerce grew for majority of businesses. Um, and subsequently we benefited from that. Uh, so yeah, we're still going through it. We don't know who knows what, what's really going to happen at the end of this. I think the challenge therein is that people shouldn't become complacent and think that this might be the the way it's always going to be. Things yep. will change again. Things will slow down in e-commerce. But um, was e-commerce a critical part of the business to start with? For us, yeah. it's the it's the most important part of the business. We we pretty much no aren't... before COVID. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. It was yeah. So you you were set up beautifully because a lot of people pivoted to e-commerce, and you think to yourself, 
Gee, imagine if you'd just got it right before all this hit because <laughs> it's a bit late to get into it now, isn't I it? I think it's very late to to pivot and move everything onto e-commerce. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it won't work. I think it will work if you have the right procedures yeah. and the right approach in place. But, you know, for the companies that were already in operation before, um, I think they are benefiting from it now. Yeah. yeah, It's been a learning experience for everyone, that's for sure. And if you come out of this... Everyone's coming out a whole lot stronger, I think, if I, you survive this. But I think that, that the mindset needs to shift. I think the mindset should be that we're going to survive it. Yeah. It can work. Like anything will work now. I think people just don't, should just not give up. Um, people yeah. that are moving their businesses online should just push forward and, and make yeah. it work. It yeah. can work. It will work. Yeah. We're in a beautiful economy. We're in a, in a lovely country to yeah. see these things through. You're a very inspiring bloke to talk to. It's just wonderful. Um What's the most been the most rewarding thing for you out of the the whole stacks journey? I think it's the for us it's it's seeing people become active and feeling good wearing active wear. Um, you know we we have a lot of success stories in people's personal journeys that they send through to our customer service teams. You know people changing their mentality, changing their, becoming healthier in their mind spaces. Um, people that were suffering from depression now starting to wear active wear it's not just about the clothing but the whole process where they feel inspired to get to the gym again and have a life-changing experience um we get to be part of that journey those are the things that really mean the most to matilda and myself um those are the things that keep us going we get to provide a product and it's just clothing at the end of the day but there's something more to it that we try and provide our followers or our fans with um and they get to yeah their lives i think hopefully are a bit improved um yeah. that's the most rewarding part for us i believe Donna Robertson, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on this. It's wonderful. I've learned so much. Oh, bless you. Thank you really so much. Really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And that's it for From Local to Global Small Business Success Stories. Thanks for listening. From Local to Global Small Business Success Stories is proudly supported by World First. World First, the smart way for business to collect, convert and make payments globally. Importers save on international payments with money transfers up to eight times cheaper than the banks. Exporters open local currency accounts around the world quickly and for free.